<clears throat> All right, welcome to podcast number two. Special guest today would be Sarah Glaza, making her way from Colorado to help all you weekend warriors out there with those fun injuries, those stiff shoulders, those tweaked hamstrings, rolled ankles, you name it. We're going to try to help you uh, avoid long lines at a doctor, unnecessary authorizations, things of that nature today, simple fixes for a day-to-day Bumps, bruises, cuts, things of that nature. Welcome on, Sarah. How are you? Thanks. I'm good. Thank you. Have a good vacation so far? It's been beautiful, as always, in San Diego. Sunny. I can't complain about this 70-degree weather every day. 70 to 80 degrees every day. 70 to 80, yeah. Not bad. Not not bad bad at all. No no complaints. So first, I want to just give us a little background about yourself. How long have you... What are you... Yeah, uh, I'm a physical therapist, and I have been doing this for almost 25 years now. Um, it's kind of a second career for me, but um, it's my passion. I love it, and I have always done orthopedics and sports medicine. That's just been my career path and what I really, really loved. So I've worked with athletes from, oh, middle school up to 80-year-olds. And in Colorado, where I practice, um, there's a lot of 70 and 80-year-olds still skiing, still climbing 14ers, which is 14,000-foot-high mountain. And they all want to expect their bodies to perform as they always have. And it's, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Why would it not? I mean, they're only 80 years older. <laughs> Everything still works. It's like a new car with 5,000 miles compared to 80,000 miles, right. right? That's right. But in our little brains, we think, why can't I do this? I used to do it. I did it last year. I did it five years ago. And um, I can't do it today. And it's very frustrating for a lot of people who are used to having a, a body that performs for them. And what... What is the most common issue with somebody who thinks like that? Uh, injuries, because, and, it, and it's not a major injury, but it puts them out. Oftentimes, it's a pulled muscle. It's they start having hip pain, and they don't really know why, and they kind of power through it, and it gets worse, or sometimes it goes away for a while, then it comes back. And it's very, very frustrating, because then they can't do whatever it is they want to do. Golf, ski, hike, walk the dog. Whatever. It lingers more. It lingers. So it lingers if you're 12 longer. and you pull a hamstring, you're pretty much good the next week. It's pretty If you're <laughs> close. 60 and you pull a hamstring, it's yeah. going to sit around for oh. a few months, Oh, maybe months. a year. And people hate to hear that. Ooh, that gets them angry when I say, yeah, this could be six months to a year. Why doesn't it just fix itself? What what happens and why? how do you fix it? How do you speed up recovery time? That's a good, it's a good question. And there's only so much we can do because we are just human beings, we're just mammals, um, and you've put 40, 50, 60 years on this earth um, and, and used your body in lots of ways that maybe it wasn't intended for <clears throat> in certain sports. So um, it's, it's hard for a person to accept that. Uh, what can you do about it? it? It You just have to tweak your workouts. You have to tweak what you do to get ready before your sport or before your event that you might not have had to do when you were 30. And and it's if you come to the realization and the acceptance that you can't work out the same way, you can still work out. And you can still do a lot of stuff. So how about time duration? Can you still do a long time of working out just with lighter exercises or shortened? You could. You could. I'm, uh, you know, if your workout used to be running on the treadmill for an hour and powering out weights for an hour, um, but now you're dealing with some constant injuries, and that's a lot of working out. But let's say that is. Um, then you might have to realize that you can't do that same workout three or four or five times a week. Maybe you need to throw in something a little different. You need to do a, 
uh, CrossFit kind of class, or you need to try Pilates, or... Are you a CrossFit advocate? <clears throat> in, in certain amounts. Okay. Um, because it, it is a very intense maximizing, yes. and that, from what I understand with exercise, you build for a maximizing week, like a, uh, a, uh, a particular game or season, you right. build up to get there. But you shouldn't have that level of intensity training nonstop year-round. Correct. And I really, I should say more of the term cross-training, not really cross-fit. Because um, all the, the craze came out with all this cross-fit and, um, uh, oh my gosh, what, well, I can't remember all the names of all those different kinds of crazy, crazy intense that they'd pull from the military or they'd pull from various places. And that's cool if you're 17, 18 going into the military. <laughs> but if you're... Even 28, 38, 50, oh, my God, I've seen some of the craziest injuries. And you ask what they did, and they said, well, I was carrying this 50-pound bar over my head, and we were doing deep lunges, and then we had to sprint. So what? What? Why would you? <laughs> what is that working? What is that helping you do? And they just want to work out so hard and so bad that they don't even stop to think how crazy that sounds. Well, I mean, that's something that you can utilize every day, as far as I'm sure. Uh, concerned. I, for one, I wake up every single day and I pick my 70-pound dog above my head <laughs> and I just lunge him and sure. then I sprint after the other one. So it's it's logical. Why, why, it makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's and a, it's certainly it's a, helping you to do what sport you like to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's training you. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's more of a... nothing yeah. logical. Yeah. 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 But that's people like see press. it as a workout. Like, no, this is what... Yeah, everybody's doing this. It's great. But... <laughs> it's because of a couple things. They like a community sure. to be involved with. Yep. And the CrossFit community is very, very <clears throat> hoorah with yep. each other. And I, that's yep. a beautiful thing. That's, it's a very uncommon thing to see in today's world of a group of people that can get together and not talk about anything that's wrong. That's true. Because they're focusing on something that's challenging and they all want to accomplish it as a group. And when somebody's struggling, they all hoorah cheer. So I right. think there is a... A, a mental aspect of why CrossFit caught on, other than just being trendy. Right, right. It's similar in in a lot of regards. When people want help or want a group, yep, they're just oh, going. absolutely. And a lot of people, I'll I'll often ask a, a patient, you know, if you really want to get serious about exercise, really look at yourself. Are you more of a individual person? Are you one that really loves to just go out by yourself for a hike or a run or whatever? Or do you get more motivation from being in a group? And we're all different. And so I, I don't, I, I certainly believe in exercise classes, um, but you have to be realistic about are, yourself and what uh, your capabilities are. And each person being different, do you mean body shape and type wise no. or mental wise? Mental, mental. mental. Okay. We all know if we're one that, if we know we signed up for a class with a friend, whatever class it might be, and that friend calls you and is like, okay, let's go, and you really don't feel like going, it's good. It's motivating. And other people can't stand the thought of that. They just want to be able to put on their shoes and go whenever they feel like it. So being realistic with you, yourself, and try each one. See what works for you. And then find the right kind of... I, I'm a big believer, like I said, in CrossFit. Uh, which simply... Not CrossFit, I'm sorry. Cross-training. I keep yeah. saying that wrong. In, in that... And, and especially as we age, you can't do the same exercise that you just did yesterday. It's so important to do something else, whether it's on the elliptical and, and, and same, some weights. Same exact exercise or same body type? Same, what do you mean same? I, I really don't. When people tell me I walk every day, I walk five miles a day, you know, and, and, and so I'm exercising every day. 
well, I'm glad they're exercising every day. That's great. But even just walking every single day, it's hard on your joints. I, I use the um, analogy of if you've ever been by a river stream or something and the water constantly is moving over the same rocks, constant, constant, those rocks wear down. Well, that's kind of what we're doing to our joints. So if you do the same thing over and over, you're wearing down your joints, even if it's just walking. So that's why, you know, you should do some cross training. So one day you try a stationary bike and one day you try a class and another day you're doing, you just expand your horizons. Pilates, there's so many ways nowadays to be active and be fit. Oh my word, something comes out every day, you know. But isn't Pilates and yoga, aren't those feminine exercises? Uh, isn't that the... Good point. Isn't that why good there's point. resistance for certain people to <laughs> yes. do a Pilates exercise? Yes, unless until they hear that uh, whoever their idol is in their sport, um, Lance Armstrong, uh, Tiger Woods. LeBron James. LeBron, you name them. And you talk to them about, they're not doing the same workout. And they've almost all incorporated things like Pilates or yoga. And they found out, oh, this actually helps then my performance. So what, how, in a, in a given week, how many days, one, should I work out? Mm-hmm. And two, what, if I do two days of Pilates one week, should I do two the next week, as long as I'm doing another exercise in between? Mm-hmm. Or do I do Pilates for two weeks and then I can completely change my routine to give my body something new? I would encourage, and the most recent guidelines that just came out, um, are 150 minutes of cardio a week. Actually, okay. that's been around for a while. So to me, that would mean um, in those hundred, you know, it's five days a week for 30 minutes, if you want to look at it that way. So for me, that I would encourage somebody to say, okay, if you just love, love, love X, running mm-hmm. or cycling, great. Do that three of those days to get that cardio part in. And two other days, really try to pick something different that you, you know, that if it was cycling, then the other two days, try an elliptical or try walking or, or whatever. And then the weight training really, or something that uses resistance. So bands, springs, weights, um, circuit training, they're encouraging twice a week for that, for everybody. But no more. Well, you can do, certainly if you're doing certain sports, more is, is fine. If you know what you're doing, you have some proper training or coaching. Um, but at least for the average human being, the weekend warrior, um, it, that would be ideal if we'd all do that, of uh, the 150 minutes of cardio and twice a week of some kind of resistance training. So for your question, you know, Pilates is more of the resistance stuff. You're not going to get cardio in Pilates or yoga. Um, so that would be maybe those other two days. And then think about, you know, if, if, if that's something you like. Maybe you would rather just go through the circuit training at the gym and zip through and get out. That's fine, too. That could be two days a week. There's a struggle I see with that idea um, in in gyms. Mm-hmm. Because if you sign up for one particular gym, they're usually very central about what they have. Like, and and yeah. you could even go with like a 24-hour fitness. Sure. Has a ton of stuff. Yep. But they don't have Pilates reformers. And they can offer you a yoga class, but it's not quite... Probably mm-hmm. not as as intense as you would want it if you are right. doing such thing. Doing high level. Somebody who doesn't have a ton of money mm-hmm. to spend on four or five different gyms, would you recommend one gym where you get a variety of things, but not re- like 24-hour fitness, you get a lot, but you don't really know what you're doing. You see people who don't know what they're doing. Or would you would you prefer somebody to have a specialized gym 
where, yeah, they do Pilates there three days a week, two days a week. Uh, but in their free time, they have to find something else outdoors to do for their, their body rather than just go pick up weights and do something else. Like, you can right. do a pull-up on trees you in, bet. in you their bet. backyard. Yep. You don't need to go sign up for no. gym for that. It's no. just tough to get motivated to do that. Yes. People aren't watching you. You don't have music. <laughs> and, yes. And that sort of thing. Yeah, I'd say... Um, nowadays with technology, oh my gosh, I've seen so many cool, cool things on your computer that are free that you can sign up for a daily workout. You can sign up for muscle burning. You can sign up for strength. And it's sort of like our old days of VCR tapes or whatever else you want to say. Um, if you're self-motivated, you go, okay, it's my 7 a.m. class. Hoorah, and you, yeah. Then, and you can just do that in the privacy of your own home and wear whatever you want to wear. Then that's great. And you could do it and not have to pay anything. Or maybe it's a $10 a month subscription to whatever service it is. Um, and it's, and I think then you have to kind of find your community. If you end up finding a yoga studio or a Pilates studio, um, and you take a couple of these, everybody offers a free class and, and you try it out and you kind of get the sense of like, hmm, could I feel comfortable here or not? Do I want to put my money in this or not? You can make that choice and try it for uh, you know a couple months and see what you think. Um, rec centers are amazing, and people don't give really realize or remember that there's a rec center usually in their neighborhood, much cheaper than joining a gym. They offer a lot of classes and YMCA's and, and the gyms. So it takes a while to experiment. And again, like I said, they they might not have the best class in the world of yoga, but if you're doing that once or twice a week along with whatever else you're doing at the gym, you know, yay you. That's awesome. It's way more than most people are doing. And they offer a variety <coughs> of classes, like you said, at different yep. times. So yep. you could have a yep. yoga class on Monday and Wednesdays that you can, you can get to. works with oh. your schedule. Yeah, yeah. And then go on your own free time to get whatever else in you want to do. And um, it's, just, it's just all about cross-training so that your body gets a little bit of everything. A little strength, a little cardio, a little stretching. Mix it up. And... I'm going to kind of use that to shift gears a little bit. Okay. I want to talk about how individuals who play in sports leagues, co-ed mm-hmm. sports leagues, competitive sports leagues, things of that nature, mm-hmm. they oftentimes train a little bit more intensely in the gym just because they want to better their position on sure. whatever co-ed field. Even, even if they're taking it light, it's yeah. still, I mm-hmm. want to be better. And we all have a little, a little competitive, competitive Sure, us. especially if you join a team. What? How would you prepare for a weekend game so you, you can avoid injuries, so you can avoid f- you know, having issues, tweaking something so that doesn't set you back in your gym routine or your actual day-to-day going to work, i got to be on crutches routine because I rolled my ankle at a softball game this weekend. Yep. Yep. What preparation is best for that, and how often, like every day, do you, should I be doing something particular to help myself be less injury-prone? Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the sport. Like, um, let's say there's some people that want to jump into a soccer league. So I've seen this happen in somebody who's in their mid-30s um, who hasn't played soccer since high school. But they were pretty good. And so that's cool. They're going to go join that team. And they don't really get do anything to prepare. <laughs> and uh, they're the ones that unfortunately might tear their ACL, tear a hammy they're out, you know, so it's, it's, it's too bad, but they kind of expect their bodies to act like they did when they were 16 and 18. With no preparation. With no prep. Right. Yeah. So, you know, wiser people, <laughs> somebody who's really thinking like, oh, I really want to join that rec team basketball or whatever. I've done that for ages. Um, I, you, you really have to at least give yourself two months to get ready. I think about eight weeks, 
use Ooh. six to eight weeks. Ooh, that's a long time. It is. That it is, is way longer than what people <laughs> would assume. You could ask yeah. me, I would have said uh, maybe two weeks of good, mm. two months. Two months. Eight, eight weeks. Just physiologically, a muscle can't change uh, composition in two weeks. I mean, that's just basic exercise physiology that it takes six to eight weeks to see true changes if we, you know, looked at a gender microscope and muscle changes. Does that mean if I wanted to add a bunch of weight or lose a bunch of weight, I can't expect to do that in 24 (laughs) hours? I actually have to wait a good amount of time to see a result? You know. But I want it now. Instant gratification. We do want everything now, right now. And good for you if that happens. Rock on. But chances are... um, Yes, From a medical happen. standpoint. <clears throat> yeah, just pure medical. You can't change, you just can't change some of those things the way our body works. So if you're wise enough to go, I want to play that winter basketball league this year, um, you know, try to get yourself in time, not just the day before to sign up and join, show up in that game, to get some cardio going, get a little bit of strength training, and then you can do some sports specific stuff like you did maybe when you were in high school. Maybe you remember some of the drills you did, or um, certainly you'd want to go shoot hoops and play some pickup games, but... um, You wouldn't just jump into drills. You would prefer to do cardio and such first to get your body more prepared. Yeah, get yourself ready. You're you're less likely to have a pulled something, um, torn something, and that's always what gets those weekend warriors out of their league. Um, You know, oftentimes in the calf, in the hamstring. I can't tell you how many softball players... Oh, boy, that's a common one that they show up because they swing that back and run to first, and that's the end because when they run to first, they pull that hamstring. Um, and that's a bummer, you know, they, and, and they like the camaraderie of the softball team, and they love to have the beer after the softball game, and that's all fun, and, and it before, is great. Usually. And before, <laughs> But um, it's going to shorten your season if you don't realize your body's just got to have a little bit of help to get ready for that. Okay, so I have a scenario then. Okay. I've prepped for eight weeks. I'm in my first softball league, and I swing the bat, and the ball goes in the outfield, and I got to run first, and I still feel tightness in my leg. Okay. What? How do I handle that? What do I do to move? Do I do I go home and I sit on a heating pad because it feels good, or should I go stretch? Should I go ice? What do I do to recover those? Like a a muscle pull. A muscle pull. Right. On from something like that. Most common. Yep. Muscle pulls. Yep. It truly is. the, the basic, the standard of, of rice that athletic trainers have used for years is rest, ice, compression, and elevation. So Say that again? Rest, it's, it's the acronym is RICE. Right, yeah. yeah. So rest is the R, I is ice, C is compression, E is elevation. Ice people, <laughs> do not use that heat. Ice, <laughs> suck it up. Okay. At le- okay, so the ice... At least for the first 48 hours, 48 to 72 hours. And the purpose of that is it's better at, it's an anti-inflammatory. Okay. So uh, as I often told um, my children when they would come, you know, in high school and, and they learned, me being a physical therapist, that before they even talked to me about an injury, they knew that they had better iced, maybe tried some anti-inflammatories, whether it's Advil, aspirin, check with your doctor first if that's okay to take for you, um, and stretched. And after about 40 hours of doing that, then come talk to me. And if you're still having problems, we'll, we'll check it out. But I can't tell you how much that can fix. If you're serious about it, for 48 hours, you are... You don't ice consistently for 48 no. hours. <laughs> 
No, good point. Um, you can ice for, you know, you'll get the max out of it in about 15 to 20 minutes. If you fall asleep and it's still there, you're not going to hurt yourself unless you know, you've got frostbite. But um, put the ice, whether it's cubes in a Ziploc or you've got a gel pack, put slip it in a thin pill pillowcase. I love to, you know, because then you've got protection from your skin, but you get it cold. Don't use those. Everyone takes a tea towel. I don't even know what a tea towel is. I guess a dish towel. And they, they say they're icing. Well, it, you barely get cool. I mean, you really need it iced. You know, you don't need to go sit in an ice bath, but ice it for yeah. crying out loud. And maybe you do it, you know, twice a day. Um, three's a bonus, but we're realistic here. So twice a day and you do very, very light movement. Easy if it was a hamstring or a ankle. You don't crank out a big old hamstring stretch. You just do a little bit of... Easy stretch and gentle. Get some motion in there. Get some blood flow. Do you stretch when you ice or stretch before or after? How many times for stretching? Yeah, I, I try to stretch. Um, bef well, it, once you ice and then you um, uh, your, your muscles are pretty cold, so I wouldn't stretch right after icing. That's okay. not going to be very effective, and, it, and your muscles are kind of like hard plastic then. So you could stretch anywhere in between before or after. But, again, really gently. Don't go crazy on the stretching at that point. You sh hopefully should have stretched, you know, before you got into that softball game. But nobody, everybody runs out of the car and runs to, yeah, the team. So it would be ideal. Definitely stretch after your sport. Then when stretch, do you heat? Stretch. Heating is uh, typically recommended after about those 72 hours, unless you got a whole lot of swelling. And, and that happens sometimes with a tweaked knee or a, um, you can always keep icing. That, that's not a problem. But sometimes if the inflammation has gone down and now it's just sore and, and tender and sometimes the heat will feel better then or a hot tub or hot shower or something like that. And, and on a, another note, if people have had chronic back pain issues, neck pain issues, which so many people have, um, and let's say they went out and, and swung the golf club and, or played the game and, and tweaked their back, they might try the ice, but if, you know, they've had 20 years of low back issues, um, they might feel better with the heat. So if it's an arthritis issue, your heat's going to feel better. Or chronic that you just kind of re- ugh, And not a chronic it. hamstring pull, no. but like a chronic back joint yeah, ligament yeah. issue. Yeah, neck pain, low back pain, or you know you have arthritis in that spine, um, then they're going to feel better with the heat. Arthritis can happen in the spine, not just your hands when you crack the knuckles. Oh, most of us have some arthritis in that spine. Oh, yeah. And do we get it from sitting down? We get it from a lot of places. We get it from um, our parents. We get it from genetics. <laughs> um, unfortunately, you can't change that. You get it from the trauma you've put your body through. If you've had a lot of crash and falls, crash and burns, um, arthritis can kind of show up there. Um, then there's the unknown. People don't even know why I get some arthritis, but yeah, all of us are going to have it somewhere. I have arthritis in my hands because I used to pop my hands, uh, my knuckles all the time. Ah. And my parents always told me, if you keep doing that, you'll have arthritis. <laughs> my hands don't hurt. They're not bigger, but I listen to my parents. <laughs> let me tell you. Sure. Um, okay. Sure so we're talking did. kind of about some common injuries, muscle pulls, things like that. When do you know that you can fix it in the house mm -hmm. or your spouse can help you? Mm -hmm. And when do you know it's time to go to a doctor? When, when is it, be, when does our signs, yeah. when do signs point to it's too much? That's a good question. I think um, initially if you, there's no, obviously there's no bone sticking out and there's not blood gushing out somewhere. 
those are times that would probably be a good wise choice to go How about see in the a, ER, but a decent cut? Yeah, well, you who've super glued cuts before, uh-huh. um, if it's something, you know, in an area that uh, isn't life-threatening, it's not a puncture wound to your chest, we'll say, let's say it's on your hand, and I know more and more people are using super glue, um, it's, it's, I'm, not a, I'm not an ER doc, that's for sure, and I'm not sure what they would say. It's all about getting it so clean. Clean. Yeah. So if you can stand the pain of really scrubbing it out really well to get it as clean as possible and sterilize it, and then maybe the super glue, I don't know. I, you know, but that but, should be a doctor trip. Yeah, that really yeah. should be. Um, really should be. Yeah. Well, cuts, I mean, uh, yeah. dangerous. Yeah. If you like, yeah, that probably should be stitched up. Um, but, the, you know, the turned ankles and the uh, uh, hamstring pull, first of all, if there's a lot of swelling, even if you ran right then to the ER or urgent care, your x-ray might not always show anything broken because there's so much swelling in there, they can't see it yet. Is swelling just fluid? Swelling is a combination of fluids in our body. Um, It's not just water, but it's a lot of cellular activity that rushes into the area to try to heal everything. Okay. So it's our own body's mechanism of trying to heal, Um, which is a good thing. You need that. So... You, you want to kind of control the swelling if you can. We're going to use the example of that rolled ankle, we'll just say. And try the rice, the rest, the ice, compression, elevation. So that could mean you have a little ice bandage you wrap around it. And elevation is above your heart or above, just above Good where question. it would normally be? Yeah, you really try to get it above your heart. So you'd have to lay down and prop that ankle up on, on some pillows, some foot up on the, some pillows. Um, ice it up. If you're going to go walk around or you got to get to work, you know, put a little ace bandage on it or go get a little sleeve that you can pull on it. Go go to the local pharmacy and spend 15 work? bucks. They really, they're good for compression. Compr- you bet. And they're cheap. So, uh, and weekend athletes should always keep those. Weekend warriors should have plenty of compression wraps. And, and give yourself about 48 hours unless you are getting more and more intense pain. Um, of course, you get any shortness of breath. But you, you know, there's there's... Warning signs are you see a red streak going, like, up your leg. What's a red streak up? Well, that could be a, a sign of an infection, okay. uh, staph infection. So, um, but if it's just swollen and achy, give yourself about 48 hours and do the rice. And then if it's not getting better or getting worse, or you have any of those other weird signs, you, you should definitely get to... And if you go to a ER. doc or go to a PT or go to whoever you're going to go to... Right. And... <clears throat> They take a look at you, they take a mm-hmm. look at what's wrong with you, and they come up with a conclusion on their own. Right. I have to believe them, right? Because I'm, I didn't go to medical school. They're a doctor. I had to wait in this room for 45 minutes just for that guy to walk in or girl to walk <laughs> in or whoever to walk in to let me know, hey, this is what's wrong. Right. And then I'll, that's good. I got it. That's the solution. <laughs> right. Or, well, yeah. Um, it, it, and I've, and I've said this so many times to my clients and patients that uh, medicine, people practice medicine. Medicine is not a science. It's an art. And so unless it's really black and white, you know, you can do some blood work and diagnose something. Um, you have an x-ray and you say, woof, that is, that's a broken bone. Sure is. That's real easy, real clear. Um, but sometimes the muscle strains, um, pulls. It's kind of hard to really diagnose. So... Um, you, you kind of start building your own team of a docs you trust, the physical therapist you trust. And then um, if things aren't progressing the way you want them to, if you're doing some therapy and <clears throat> trying to follow what they are saying, 
I, I, I highly recommend looking outside the box and looking at alternative therapies, whether it's acupuncture, uh, massage therapists, um, and, you know, talk to your friends, talk to your people who are in sports and see who they use and um, give them a try. And there's lots of ways to fix one thing. There's different ideologies behind medicine across the world. Yes. If you just stick with where you're at in the region you're at, I'm talking about West Western Western, yeah. Western medicine is very different than Eastern medicine. Oh, yeah. And, and every aspect of the culture is, is rather different. Right. So you wouldn't assume that our way of practicing and healing would be sa- the same to theirs. It's a little unnerving as a person who goes into a doctor's office, who can't get authorization for acupuncture, whose mm-hmm. insurance won't cover yeah. acupuncture massages. Are there less expensive alternatives, or how would I go about finding those kind of solutions initially without spending all my money? Because that's expensive, and my insurance isn't going to cover half of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say talk to people you trust, first of all. Um, know and trust, whether it's um, sometimes docs are, you know, uh, open to that too and say, yeah, I've, I've heard this acupuncturist is kind of good or something. Um, but just friends, coworkers, um, they like, oh my God, I've seen this massage therapist. It's just amazing. It's really helped my neck. And, okay, cool. Give that a try. Keep it going. Um, yes, it costs money. And unfortunately, Western medicine is fixated on the traditional and things that have had a lot of research done backing up. And that's the best we can do right now. But I try to encourage my clients, it's not like you have to go every single day. Plus, nowadays, what, what's your copay? I mean, holy mackerel, it's 50, 70, who knows how Each much. Each time. Every time you go. So what if you put that money into one session of whatever, acupuncture, massage, uh, chiropractic, you know, you name it. Um, and as a physical therapist... You know, same thing. It depends on who you see and what they've been trained in. Um, We do, do, I do dry needling and um, that's been very effective for people. And I have some people that just come for that regularly or kind of once a month, once every other week, just to kind of keep their body tuned up. And it's, it's not any more than their copay. So um, whether it's kinesio taping that somebody can do for you, or you can learn how from your physical therapist or. What does dry needling do? Just out of, is, is it acupuncture? <clears throat> is it different? No, it, no it's different. Um, the only thing that's similar is we use the same kind of needles. So they're very thin filament needles. Nothing's in them. Nothing's getting injected. And I have total respect for acupuncturists. That's a, it's a whole different form of medicine, Eastern medicine. Uh, they study very diligently about the, your meridians and, and your flow. And it's more about opening blockages in your body. And you might come in with... a. a your hamstring pull Mm -hmm. and you might have uh, acupuncture needles. Then I I don't even, I'm just going to say this. I don't know where, but maybe it'd be in your ear, in your head and in your low back and all the way down to your foot. And, um, as dry needling, however, is different and it's, it's more focused. It's directly onto that area. I'm, I'm not trying to open any flow. I would go, you know, maybe into the segmental uh, region in your spine that corresponds with that hamstring and you'd have some dry needling there. And, and it's um, when it goes directly into the muscle with a trigger point, a tight spot, kind of the same spot that a massage therapist would work out, mm-hmm. 
you might get a little twitch there and it's and it's literally like resetting the muscle to go okay that's you got to let that go so it's clicking the reset button clicking the reset button with a tiny little thin needle yes. that you mm-hmm. really can't feel no it barely i mean some but you not know. N- there's no pain no really. no it shouldn't be painful it might we might notice it <laughs> what are your other practices you do dry needling physical mm-hmm. therapy mhm and and with all physical therapists, it depends on what area they've focused on. So in my history, um, I've gotten certified in, in tons of different manual therapy techniques. Um, so I don't uh, crack somebody's back. I'm not there to make a cracking sound, but I mobilize joints and spines to get them to move properly. Um, and there's a lot of techniques of ways you do that with dry kneeling. I've used kinesio tape in my practice for a long time. They um, got a bad rap recently. About a year ago, they got sued for a ton of money because now it's called K-Tape because um, they would advertise it as fixing people and they <laughs> all, it didn't, it, tape just yeah. can't heal you. No. It's a gimmick, obviously. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. Not, a, not no. a gimmick in that it can't help certain ways, but right. you can't just put a piece of tape on your injury and assume that's, yeah. that's pure stupidity. Yeah. I'm sorry, anybody who bought into <laughs> that marketing scheme, like go home and put duct tape put, on your forehead right. and let me know if that helps you. It did Oh, that's going to get rid of your wrinkles. No, it's not. It's tape. Yeah. But I, you can tape things in certain ways. In think a certain about manner. Fixing, think about something you broke. I broke my glasses, and mm-hmm. I taped the little thing yeah, right little, there. Uh, and yeah. it holds it together because I use tape in the right way. Mm-hmm. And it's a special tape. I'm not using packing tape for that. Yeah. So yeah. it does work. It does help. But it's not this end-all, be-all, let-me-just-one-stop solution tape. Yeah. I got upset when I'd start having it, mostly high school kids. When it first came out, first time it was showed up in the Olympics, then suddenly everybody's doing that. Just like, like cupping. Cupping, yeah, with Phelps. <laughs> and suddenly everybody wants to be cupped. And you can buy a set of cups on Amazon, by the way. You can cup yourself if you really want you to. buy a cup in, a, <laughs> in the sporting goods store. To, and to, yeah, you get yeah, a jock strap do. with it, and you got to wear it, you know? <laughs> Very good. Um, <laughs> But the um, taping, when they came out with the marketing of you just buy this piece of tape that's pre-cut and you just put it on your knee and it, it doesn't really tell you how. I mean, you might as well just put a Band-Aid on there. And I'd have kids come walking in and with this tape hanging off, I'm like, what, what's, what, are, you, what are you doing there? And they're, well, my, you know, my dad bought this at the store and I just thought it would help. I think it feels better. I thought, that's the power of the mind, boy. Um, but there is actual techniques of how to put it on. That's why we go to school. To kind of learn that. So it's helpful if you do any of these techniques. Power of the mind. Ooh. Huge one. Huge. How much of Huge. what people face in the day-to-day injury nagging pain comes from the power of the mind? Comes mm-hmm. from other ways that isn't actually physical pain, but gets turned into physical pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything. We've seen it all the time. You bet. Whether it's um, <clears throat> depression, somebody's had chronic pain for years. Um, from an accident, and then pain gets exacerbated big time. And there's pain clinics that deal with that all the time. And pain that, management, that pain management, and, and that that leads to the whole opioid crisis right now. Because um, you know that's a whole other story. But yeah, you, it's a big connection. Have you ever had somebody come to you claiming they're they're injured, things of that nature, and then after, you know, just a, a simple one <coughs> or two times in their head, they're like, "Wow, I feel so much better." But you, as a therapist, know. You know, you can't really improve from what I <laughs> did that quickly. Yeah. So it really is a mental thing. Yeah. Does that happen regularly or? Not regularly, but I've certainly seen it. Um, I see it a lot in seniors um, because the power of touch is so huge. And if somebody's living alone and they've been alone for a while, 
Um, they don't get hugged. They don't get touched. And as a physical therapist, we're touching people a lot, um, whether it's for back pain or neck pain or whatever. And um, I and I, I don't know a therapist, physical therapist around who wouldn't say they forgot to plug in the ultrasound machine or forgot to, you know, and they did the ultrasound for five minutes and, and they get up and the patient says, oh, I feel so much better. And you look and you realize your machine wasn't even on. And you, you kind of, it's one of those that you're like, oh, uh, yeah, oh, good, great. Um, but I think that, obviously, that doesn't happen often, Nitra. But um, the power of touch and is so important in healing. And, and there's organizations called Healing Hands, and nurses will tell you that all the time. So there's legit issues that need actual care, and you need to know it's, you know, the person needs to be a good practitioner. But there's other times that, <laughs> yeah, we just need some human just need contact. A hug. <laughs> you need I a just hug. need a hug. Need a little quick neck rub. And so if I live by myself, <clears throat> I mm-hmm. have nobody to hug me. Right. I'm feeling pain. <laughs> yeah. My first thought, especially in today's world, because I have a supercomputer in my hands all the time with my iPhone yes. or yes. whatever, oh. I'll pop onto WebMD oh, or Google. There you go. And sure. talk about a rabbit hole. Oh, because you'll man, have cancer by yeah, the time immediately in, in five Almost minutes. Immediately. Yeah, from a pimple or yeah. I don't know what, whatever. Yeah, it's scary. How self-diagnose if you're by yourself. Avoid the internet or look some symptoms. Because it seems yeah. like if you even look up one or two symptoms, it just keeps going, going, going. It, it's almost yeah. like you can't, it's a slippery, can't very stop. slippery yeah. slope. Yeah, and, and I think if a person knows that they go down that rabbit hole real quickly, I, I and I've had personal experience with it, I think it's best if you don't even click it on. Um, it's scary. It's real scary real quick. There's more reliable sources. I think, you know, I often look up like the Mayo Clinic's website. Um, you can look, f- and, I, and, and just, I just trust that, that a little Mayo, bit. That is Mayo, M-A-Y-O, Mayo yeah. Clinic, yeah. yeah. It's a very renowned hospital. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and there's other sites like that. I'm not an expert in that. but And they can't publish things uh, that... They're going off research. Yeah. They're going off publish. And you might not find everything you want, but it also, you won't end up with cancer every time you click on <laughs> something for a sprained elbow. <laughs> so it's, it's, that's a good point. It's hard. And, and, and a lot of us health professionals, you know, you hate when the patient walks in and they've already diagnosed themselves because they saw it. Mm-hmm. And if they read it once on Google, it must be true. Or if a friend had it, yeah. then they yeah. have the exact same thing. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Because we're all kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing we have the same medical history as people that are are similar to everyone else. The only thing that we share with everyone else is being born and passing away. Mm-hmm. Everything in between true. is up to you, kind of, well, yeah. because you're influenced by everything, everybody, oh, every yeah. people you see, which is why you self-diagnose in certain yep. ways yeah, and yeah. go online and somebody will tell you, no, this website, and you'll go on that website, and then guess what? You still have cancer on that website, yeah. too. <laughs> But it's a different type. And so, you go, oh, this is the one. And then you go to a doctor and... Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. No. And then you go to two other doctors and MDs, uh-huh. and they have all been trained somewhere different, you know, whatever. And you'll get three different opinions from that, too. And that's frustrating, I know, to people. But kind of circling back practice. to what I said, it's a practice. They're doing their best Absolute with what practice. they know and what they've seen. But there's some diagnoses that just aren't aren't that exact. Um, If... If I do have a partner mm-hmm. at home and I'm looking for help, I'm mm-hmm. not going to go on WebMD, what are some things I should avoid? Like if, I, if I tweak my back, is it okay if my significant other gives me a, a deep tissue massage or what they assume is a deep tissue massage with no training? Or would you prefer, not prefer, would you <laughs> suggest that 
you should see somebody in the medical field first to get a true diagnosis and then go for it. Uh, that's funny because I don't think in 25 years of practice I've ever had somebody who said, wow, my spouse gave me the best half-hour massage. <laughs> it's usually, you know, they rubbed hair for, for three minutes. <laughs> and if and, it was a guy giving the massage, uh-huh. he went for something. Yeah, and if yeah, it was a girl giving yeah, the massage, exactly. they, they it's did, like, I'm done. Yeah, You're I'm done. You're fine. I don't hair, know. That's yeah. <laughs> so yep. rock on if you've got a spouse that will give you a decent 30-minute massage. Um, really for that specific issue. If, you know, there's no harm in rubbing somebody's back or neck for five minutes. Um, they're not digging an elbow in there or if they're just kind of trying to You're not going to hurt the injury more. No, it'd be very rare unless there was really like a... Uh, I, I can't even think of one. I've never heard of anybody okay. of my clients that got injured because their spouse rubbed them for three minutes. And that hurt. <laughs> so, I, I got you. But, you know, it's things like using a little biofreeze. I like biofreeze yeah. or arnica. Um, those are things that are like the icy hots. Um, they feel good when you rub them on, whether you do it or somebody else. Um, it, and any kind of rubbing is increasing circulation. So that's not a bad thing. And then to, you know, seek out if that kind of felt good, then you seek out a good massage therapist who's certified and trained and they can really help you. But it would be nice for them too to say, you know, oh, my doctor said I've pulled my, you know, my piriformis is strained or my hamstring. And then they can really focus on that. I've I've had massages in the past after injuries and mm-hmm. and they've always asked to see oh what's wrong what's wrong what's yeah. wrong yeah they want to know <clears throat> if you have any lingering issues anything from the past present if you go get a massage it's important to tell them yes because they can if they're doing a true deep tissue yeah then that's when an injury can occur if you have something slight yeah yeah right right I mean it's, it's something that they would need to know about and massage therapists will. Uh, as well as physical therapists, we know the um, contraindications for when we wouldn't be doing a massage. Um, if you're under active uh, cancer treatments, um, or even if you have a really bad cold, that's not a good day to go see a massage therapist. You don't want all that stuff moved around. Um, you don't want that increased circulation that day. And most of them will say, eh, you know what, I think you should probably come back another day. And it's not just because they don't want to touch you because no. you're sick. It's because you're physiologically, it's for your own Yeah, it's for your own benefit. good. It's not the best choice that time. So they do, you need to be real honest Interesting. with any of them that you would go see. I would assume a lot of folks out there who have gone, got massages have, have like, oh, I don't feel good. And then afterwards they're, mm. oh, I feel a little better for initially. <laughs> well, of course you do. You just got rubbed down. Yeah. But... Long term, yeah, it, it can it could make be. that linger a little yeah, bit more. It might if it's something like a bad cold or the flu. Don't go get a massage. Don't go out in public. Also, <laughs> don't go. I see so many people, especially around holiday season. Oh yeah, somebody in uh, a store in front of me the other day caught just right into their hand, mm. looked at their spouse and said, "Man, I'm sick," and then picked up a piece of a pack of gum out of the thing and oh. threw it on the camera. And I was just, <laughs> okay, right there, just. <laughs> Be aware of your surroundings yeah. and what you're causing to other people. Yeah, right? yeah, we shall be wearing masks there. pretty soon. I don't know. We might end up just going to end on something. How did you get yeah. into physical therapy? What made you want to do it, and what did you do before? Um, I spent about ten years. I had a degree, undergraduate degree, that combined business and um, some exercise science. They don't even make Was that it degree kinesiology anymore. Well, or yeah, but it wasn't even called that back then. Okay. I'm old. Um, the point was, you could go run a corporate fitness wellness center. And there was one in Colorado, Coors Brewery had an outstanding one. So we all thought that was the wave of the future. But when I graduated, then a huge recession hit. And, of course, corporations aren't going to pay for that. 
But I, I got lucky. I fell into some work um, working in, I was in Los Angeles at the time, and worked with uh, in cardiac rehab. I'd done a little bit of that in college. And I was, I was the aide. I was the gopher. I learned to take blood pressures when somebody's running full speed on a treadmill. Um, but I worked with the coolest group of people I'd ever met. They were all physical therapists who'd gotten masters specific in cardiopulmonary um, specialties. And Which they, is what? Cardiac and, and respiratory issues. Breathing um, and, and, and Breathing whatnot. and pumping that blood yeah. around. Yep. Um, and they were just a very cool group of people. They had a, a cardiac cycling club, a cardiac running club. They were very progressive. This is way back in the 80s. And um, I always thought, man, I just want to know what they know. I really want to know what they know. And for the next 10 years, um, I was just moving back and forth between Colorado and, and Los Angeles just with climbing corporate ladders of my husband at the time. And so, you know, time moves on. <clears throat> but I had some cool jobs and ran some corporate wellness centers and and was always kind of in and out of the medical field. So that helped me get exposed to it. So finally got myself back to uh, graduate school in physical therapy when I got back to Colorado and had a one and a three-year-old. I don't recommend doing that when you have <laughs> little kids. Um, <laughs> but it was a it was good move. It was a great career. It's been um, it's been a great career. I love it. I and love you picked it. It was people. your choice. You wanted to. You I found so out what you liked. I so wanted it. So wanted it. It was very competitive and very happy I got in it and through it and survived it. Um, but it's it's a good career. It, it really is. It's uh, You can do so many things. You can work with babies. You can work with seniors who've had strokes. You can work with quadriplegics. Um, I mean, you can't you can't get bored. I just chose to work in sports medicine and orthopedics because I loved it. It's been fun. Right on. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And You're uh, Stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, any last tidbits of advice for people to yes. avoid injuries? Yes. Stretch. Uh, <laughs> How much? Every day? We didn't really talk. Yeah. It, real quickly. Um, yes. You should stretch at the end of your exercise routine. So before you go home, everyone wants that last two minutes on the cardio or last pump of abs. weight. Last five abs, minutes of abs. abs, abs and then, abs, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but spend five minutes. At, at the most, really, that's all you need to do at the very end. Stretch out. Stretch what you just did. Whatever you tightened, your arms, your back, your hamstrings. Do five minutes of stretching. Hold the stretches 15 to 20 seconds. Um, each position, each arm. Whatever you're holding. 20, okay, count, to fit, count a nice one, 1,000, two, 1,000. Hold it. Breathe. Relax. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Damn. Yeah. And before you work out... Um, spend five minutes. Don't just burst into your routine. That's, again, something we did younger. You could run out the door and go into your sprint and run five miles. As we age, our bodies can't do we, we need to warm up. We, I mean, kids should, too. So do whatever it is your sport you're going to do. So if you're going to play softball or something, jog around the bases. Real easy. A couple times. Move your, Swing your arms around, up and down. Hold a couple stretch. Just get some blood flowing. So I always say do your activity that you're going to do just at a lower pace. Should you have a work a sweat up? I've heard that. Work a sweat up before the game starts. Is that too much? That's Well, a for your too weekend much? warrior, if you're not a normally, you don't build a sweat up in a minute. No, it's not really that important. But you should get to the point where your your breath is changing a little bit. So you couldn't just talk like we're talking right now. Mm -hmm. You should warm up enough that you've gotten your heart rate up. So that, like, if I could, besides talking to you and we're warming up, that... I'm kind of more talking like this because now I'm getting a little bit breathless. Yeah. So think of it that way and maybe, you know, spend about at least five minutes doing that. Five to ten would be great. 
And then don't forget, don't skimp out on your stretching when you're done. And that can prevent so many injuries. So, so many. If I don't play sports mm-hmm. and I'm not, I don't need to stretch and I'm not, I don't go to the gym. Okay. Uh, all I do is take my dog for a walk. Okay. Should I stretch when I wake up in the morning and when I go to sleep at night? Or is that less important because it's not? Yeah, most of us have a sedentary, you know, so they're sitting with their iPad or the mm-hmm. computer. They're pretty quiet and sedentary. Um, so, yes, still stretch because then you could probably just tweak an ankle stepping off a curb or reaching for something high up in the closet. And it's the same thing. So, um I don't think you have to roll out of bed and go right into your stretching. You kind of need to move a little bit. You know, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, get some blood flow moving. And then you get stretched. It might feel good. Um, and if that feels good, great. But if you just, all you do is go walk your dog, awesome. Come back and stretch out your calves, stretch out your hamstrings. You still work those. So don't just go get your tea. Go take two minutes, two minutes, and just stretch out your legs because that's what you just worked. And your, your stretching then would be specific for what you just finished. I'm yes. just talking for day-to-day, somebody who doesn't exercise, somebody who sits yeah. in a Ooh. chair all day on a computer. Yeah. Like every half hour, stand up and stretch the back out, walk around, or longer, less. Yeah, you know how they're saying the sitting is the new smoking. Um, I mean, it's seriously that, that damaging to our bodies. So I, I've seen some companies. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the new, sitting is the new... Sitting is the new smoking. smoking. Yes. Oh, I haven't heard that before. Yes. It, it, they think it's that detrimental to our overall health. And, and I say they, it's like, you know, the um, powers that be, the health associations and the World Health Associations. And I, and I see it. I, I agree. We, our bodies weren't meant to not move. <laughs> These bodies were designed to move. So um, if that is your life, if you sit in a cubicle or sit in front of a computer screen for six, eight, ten hours... I either say, set an alarm on your phone, because I don't know one person who doesn't have their phone by their computer, um, for one hour. Or if you can set an alarm on your um, computer screen. For an hour. Minimum. Set it for about an hour. And when that thing goes off, you either do you know two neck stretches, get up and walk to the bathroom, do something to move your body. Um, some companies I've been at to avoid work comp claims have programs built into their software that the people are working on that shuts off, yep, shuts off their computer. freaks people out. But every 30 minutes, 45 minutes, one hour, whatever, and it forces them to stop staring at that screen and do a neck exercise or a stretch. And it helps them avoid uh, workers' comp claims. Uh-huh. That's Which the goal. That's the goal. Don't know if it has. I, don't, I haven't seen research, but it makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, the... I think it's tech companies that kind of started that. Google, yeah, Apple, probably. I feel like... Trendy tech companies l- allow you to create your own time schedule when your brain yeah. operates the best. Yeah. And they encourage you to get up and move around yes. throughout your day. Yes. And that's something that is new, and it might be because they've seen that research, and it was, mm-hmm. we don't want our tech people to be like this, and we don't want to pay insurance no. extra. No. We're comps companies, expensive. Oh, very expensive. <laughs> and companies don't want to pay it. Nope. Insurance companies don't want Nobody wants workers' comp except... People who don't want to work. work. <laughs> yeah. And there's and that's really not that many of them. It's People, not. You know, the most common most workers' comp injury work. is somebody who was doing their daily routine and just something went accident. out of the door. Yeah. yeah. That, like 98% of work comp needs work. They yeah. need the help. Yeah. But in, in any, any regard, in any field, in any category, there's always going to be that 2% outliers sure. that use sure. things for their advantage. But yeah. Yeah. But in general. That's just... 
Yeah. So you won't, you won't ever see a physical therapist who doesn't make you do some kind of little stretch or home exercise, you know, program for whatever it is you're doing. And, and it's not because we just want to make you do something. It's not homework. It's not homework. It's to save your body. So you keep moving it. Trying to give you a couple extra years of mobility. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to help. That's what, that's what we want to do. Last question for you and then (laughs) we'll be done here. Uh, What's the toughest type of injury to come back from that you've seen as a physical therapist? Oh boy. Training. Total knee, that first rotation on a bike, a lot of pain. Yeah. Do you ever get the explosiveness back? Is it shoulder once you have a rotator cuff chain? What, what, are, what is the injury that you say, I would put it off, I would do as much treatment care as, pos- as much as possible before you have to do a, a total replace? Okay. Because, one, you might not ever get back to the full potential you were. Yeah. And who knows, with technology, with all the bionic legs and stuff you can have yeah, now it's, yep. it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. impressive pretty amazing and in the second part of that would be what you know it, you're going to have eight months to a year of recovery time just to get full range of motion what what mm-hmm. one sticks out to you as a as a therapist as a, yeah that you've had to deal with it it's put not, it off not so great uh number one is um spine surgery spine fusion so spine they've fusion. In, they've in, improved greatly on disc replacement in spines. Um, there really wasn't such a thing. So those have gotten better, and micro-disc surgery is better. But if when somebody tells me that their doc wants them to have a fusion, uh, it's usually down in the lower back, L4, 5, S1, somewhere in that. Um, oh, man, that is not a good road to go down because I had nine times out of ten in a few years, another, another segment is going to need to be fused. They kind of deal with chronic pain. And it, it's really hard because these people truly often have already done PT. They've done injections. They've tried acupuncture. They've tried blah, blah, blah. Tried everything. They've tried everything. And, and most, there aren't surgeons out there now that I know of that would just start with surgery because it's a major surgery. So long-term results or outcomes are not great on that. And I don't, any medical professional will tell you that. The, the ones that are the most painful to rehab are, but the most successful are total knees total knee replacement, and frozen shoulders. Those are the two most painful physical therapy rehabs to go through. Oh, my gosh. I mean, is it the treatment that you do for them or just the, the natural recovery process no, of it? No, but we have to do to them to get their range of motion back. So it's hard. It's hard work. But if the, if the patient is doing their home stuff too daily, they got, you just got to tell them this is going to hurt really bad for about a month. So there's a time and a place to be on your pain meds and, and do what you need to do to get through it. But... Both of those I've seen go back to skiing, golfing, dancing. Full recovery. Full recovery. Um, uh, tennis, whatever. I mean, it's amazing what they can do. But it's not fun. It's not easy yeah. to go through. Um, that's no recovery is. No. And, and there is not an athlete alive, weekend warrior or professional, that has not had time, had a time to sit down, sit out, and not be able to do their sport because of an injury. It's just life. So it Happens to everybody. Happens to everybody. You have to take time during that time to rehab yourself, or you you excuse me won't get back to it, and and it's it's just part of life. It's part of our bodies. So if you get injured, take care of it right away. Stretch, ice, rice it out rice for it two out days. Yep. Go see a doc if it doesn't improve. Look at second opinions, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then avoid surgery until it is absolutely required. Yeah, if it's really affecting your daily life, you can't grocery shop, you can't sleep. Um, you know, I always tell people they'll, they'll know when they need their total knee uh, if, if it comes to that. Um, and they usually do. And 
then they usually say, oh, why didn't I do that five years ago? But, you know, it wasn't time. <laughs> yeah, it's a mental thing. That one is. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. thank you very much for coming on, helping yeah, those people out. You're uh, welcome. Hope this advice hits somebody and they yeah. can, instead of going to wait at an ER and for a sprained ankle on, after a softball game, they can yeah, just try the put on a crutch and, and walk yourself to work on well, Monday. <laughs> Wear that compression sleeve. Try it. Try it. Right on. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome.